Hello, and welcome to the Consumer VC Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of venture capital and consumer innovation. I'm your host, Mike Gelb, and if you're enjoying the show, you can subscribe to my newsletter where you will receive every new episode a week early. Head to theconsumervc.com and click subscribe. All content and episodes are intended for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not investment advice. Our guest today is Mike Mayer, co-CEO of Windmill. Windmill is the smart, quiet AC unit that actually looks nice. Probably can't be said for many AC units. As you can imagine, we discussed the wonderful world of air conditioning, how he co-founded Windmill with his brother, if he had any intention of getting into air conditioning business, his approach to getting Windmill off the ground, fundraising, new revenue streams, and how he releases new products, all the shebang. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Mike. Mike, thank you so much for joining me here today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this one. No, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really excited. We have not talked about air conditioning units yet on this podcast. So from the beginning, did you always want to be an entrepreneur and start a business with your brother? I remember when I was like 10 years old, um, I wanted to start a a, a, a competing uh, clothing brand to uh, Polo, you know Ralph Lauren, and and I and I wanted to call it Peaches, and the logo was going to be this sort of sleek outline of a peach, and it was going to be marketed to kids like me, who is sort of just like a more casual Polo shirt. I thought it was so cool. And I was like, you know, I told my parents and my brothers and all this stuff. And I, I remember I would always try to get my little brother to sell t-shirts at our local grocery store, like outside, you know, the people that like stand outside with like the tables and they try to sell you stuff or, you know, get donations. I wanted to do that. Um, and then if you fast forward a couple years, I was in high school and I got this like DVD burner and I would go to Blockbuster and I would get the top hits and I would burn it on these, you know, the uh, blank DVDs and I, would sell, and I would sell them. I realized it was illegal after and then I stopped doing it, but I made like a hundred bucks. I would say the answer is, is, is definitely, I always saw myself as an entrepreneur. I always wanted to be at least. And then, you know, it just sort of slowly these ideas started taking form um, and, and Windmill really is, is, is the one, you know, my first real stab at it. But I tried little things along the way. It was always sort of like a, I like coming up with new ideas and I like seeing those ideas exist in the world. You know, I think the making money on them certainly is, is something that I want, but it's secondary to seeing the idea live and breathe in the world, which I just think is so cool. You just like come up with some wacky thing in your head and then go do it and watch people interact with it. That's like the special part of this. Definitely, definitely. So, I mean, clothing brand understood, like very, you know, fun, sexy yeah. market, you know, idea and really, really great. Even though it was illegal, you know, DVDs, entertainment, people obviously enjoy entertainment. Why AC units, man? When I think of air conditioning, like that does not sound interesting. Whenever I think about my AC unit, I think it's kind of like a pain in the ass. Like what, what was kind of like the insight that led you to founding Windmill and, and, and what was that kind of discovery process? Well, I think that's part of the reason why we were all attracted to it because it, it's so unsexy. It's so not the thing that your mind would go to when you start thinking about business ideas. 
And I think it's, you know, part of why we're, we're able to have some success here is because we are tackling a super antiquated, unsexy, slow moving product category. But, it, but the, the, the origin was I was helping my older brother, Danny, move apartments in, in the summer of 2018. And we get up to his apartment, fifth floor walk up. We're both, you know, sweating and move, after moving all the you know, sofas and big boxes. Yeah, because are you, are you, you're on the East Coast, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So really, really sweating hard. This yeah. is in New York. Moving sucks, but moving in New York sucks like times five. Um, especially, you know, in these like old walk-up buildings where like the staircases are at weird angles and some steps are shorter than the others. It's like, it's such a pain, but we did it. We got everything up to the fifth floor and we enter the apartment and in the window is this loud, old, yellow window air conditioner. And what do you, like, what do you do with that thing? It's kind of screwed into the window. You know, you don't want to piss off your new landlord by ruining the window frames. My older brother, now friends with him and he's a co-founder. Ryan is, is our third co-founder. So it's me, it's Danny, my older brother who I was helping move. And then the third guy, Ryan, we call him Dr. Cool. He, he comes from a decades long uh, air conditioning family in New York. My brother was friends with him uh, just from being in the city and going out. And uh, he calls Ryan and says, hey, what do I do with this thing? And Ryan says, where are you? I'm gonna send two of my technicians over to take out the old unit, recycle it, and put in new units, which was like incredible. So the technicians come, they take the old unit out, they put the new units in. And Danny and I went to lunch after, and it was just sort of this moment of what happens if you don't have Ryan? Like if you can't just call a guy, you don't just know a guy, what, what do you do? And there was, there was no clear answer for that. And we thought, I mean, we were coming up, Ryan, Danny, and I were coming up with business ideas before this happened. And it was sort of this moment of like, what are we doing? This is a clear problem. We're, we're customers of these products. We have a competitive advantage with Ryan and his family's knowledge of air conditioning and his infrastructure. They have tons of trucks and, a, and warehouses and a factor relationship going back multiple decades. And it was at lunch after this move, we just said, this is it. This is it. Someone's got to do this right. And, and that was it. A couple months later, we flew to the factory and we were pitching them on helping us do this. Wow. Can you talk a little bit more about Ryan's background and why didn't Orion maybe have this idea before he was you know, talking with, with you and Danny? Yeah. Ryan started his career working on his family's AC trucks. I mean, he was delivering ACs, repairing them, installing them. He then, um, once he started learning more about the family business and air conditioning, he started his own installations and repairs unit within the family business. Well, it was really his own thing. And then the family business sort of gobbled it up uh, as, it, as it was seeing some success. So Ryan has always been in this world. And to be honest, I think he would tell you this. He was trying to get out of air conditioning. <laughs> you know, he's, he, he was trying to do other stuff. You know, we were coming up with business ideas, uh, you know, across the board. It was everything but uh, air conditioning. And then it just sort of when Danny, Ryan and I met and we sort of pitched this, uh, or you know, really it was, it was Danny's brainchild and he pitched this idea. Ryan acknowledged that this is a, a good path just because we have, you know, some institutional knowledge. Um, we did not have institutional knowledge and in some of these other business ideas we were contemplating. So it was also kind of 
in a funny way, taking the service business that Ryan built, right? And instead becoming like a product business, right? And actually building out the AC units and actually creating your own brand in the process. Exactly, because we we realized that even, you know, even the new units that Ryan and his technicians uh, brought over on that fateful summer day in, in August of 2018, those units were not good. They weren't nice to look at. They were not easy to install, although we didn't have, you know, we had help. They didn't connect to an app. I don't think they were running uh, efficiently. I don't who knows what refrigerant they were using. So I, there was just, there's all this stuff that I know now that I look back and it's like those units, you know, and at the time we looked at it and it was purely sort of an aesthetic, like, man, these things are old. And, and, and beyond just the product though, it's, it's the experience. It's providing a modern experience and installation help and live chat on the site, you know, and, and, and it is, you know, we, we have taken a lot of what Ryan knows and what his family has and, and incorporated it into the business, but, but certainly it is a, you know, better product married with a better experience. You touch on also very important things that I'm sure are very, very key ingredients to the founding of, of Windmill, the actual product innovation side and actually making sure that the product looked great. You know, it, it, it you very much innovated on the actual, I'm sure, branding part too. Did either of you three come from a product background? And if not, how did you even think about design and product innovation when you were kind of first thinking about the early ingredients to what eventually became Windmill? None of us had product design or, or, or product experience. I mean, Ryan did from a manufacturing side because a few decades ago, his family started manufacturing commercial AC units. So he's been to the factory, you know, a dozen times, has, has worked on his family's product, but, you know, a, a sleek consumer facing product, no. And we knew that that was a big gap and, and it was what would ultimately set us apart. So we went on a, a three-month adventure around the world. I mean, we, we interviewed design shops in Hong Kong, California, New York. I think there was one in Singapore. So, you know, we went, we went all over and we wanted to find the right match just in terms of expertise, but also just design and personality alignment. So that was, that was something that we had never done, but we did a lot of research and, and just started talking to people. What were maybe some of like the things that you discovered about AC that maybe you didn't you know know before and really thought as well that you really could innovate on the design and just you know creating just also just overall functionally a better AC unit? Yeah, I mean, I was shocked at how difficult the design process what was and is still. Because you can come up with some crazy stuff. And then when it comes time to actually to show that to a factory and, um, you know, it has to pass the, the sniff test for the factory to say this is going to work or it's not going to work. We had some, you know, they, sort of the spectrum of mild to wild. We, we went after some wild ideas at first. We would talk it over with our engineers and the factory and they would, you know, shoot it down and say there's no way the airflow is going to work because, you know, an AC unit works by pulling air uh, from inside the room, conditioning it, cleaning it, and, and, and putting it back out. But if you're blocking the airflow in any way, let's say by a you know a completely solid front grill, for example, that's going to decrease the the energy efficiency of the machine. And we wanted to produce something that was high performing. It also looked good, but but worked really well. So marrying function and and design 
was a huge challenge for us. And we actually, we got pretty far on an idea and, and had to kill it and, and go back to the drawing board like halfway through the engagement because the airflow, you know, was just not matching what we needed. So we, we had some, some pretty major bumps in the, in the road, but that's, you know, I guess first time doing something like this, it's you're, you're, you're bound to, to face some, some challenges like that. Yeah, I'd imagine like that makes sense. Managing the product's uh, functionality and obviously wanting to be, you know, more energy efficient than having maybe like the sleekest design or what's, you know, maybe a great first idea in terms of what the design should look like and actually iterating and, and finding this balance between having the product look amazing, which is obviously very, very important. And but of course, functionality is even more important. So that's awesome. How did you approach as well, like on the sales side of things, your first step was you wanted to be retail first. Talk to me a little bit about how you built relationship with retailers when you want to go into retail at the very beginning and have them even accept that this could be a viable wholesale business for them. And as well as, you know, how are you able to secure on the supply chain side your first, you know, order quantity for it? Because I'd imagine that was incredibly expensive because this is not a cheap product to do. This is very, very intensive, I'd imagine. It is. This is one of those things where like, if I thought about it too much before we started the business, I don't know if we would have started the business. It's like, but also, it's one of those things, too, I think, that you weren't in the business, you were an outsider. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's when it kind of helps being an outsider, because then you would never have started this business if you actually knew it like you know, backwards and forwards. It's so true. I mean, we talk about that all the time, Danny, Ryan, and I, um, just how much we've learned. And uh, looking back, had we known some of these things, would Windmill exist? It's, it, it, you know, I, I'd like to think yes, but I don't. I don't actually know. <laughs> to your point about retail, this is a niche category. It, it's a there are seven million window ACs bought in the U.S. every year. It's you know when, so when I say niche, I don't mean it's not big. You know you, you have to have a certain set of criteria in your home or or whatever to to use this product. It's not a, a water bottle where every single person in the in the country in the world could could have a water bottle. So in order to reach a certain scale that we wanted, we knew that retail would be necessary. You know, we could have started a D2C and been sort of a, a small New York brand and then build from there. But we trusted in, in our process and, and in the product that we were bringing to market. And we wanted to scale quicker than that. It was really the beginning was cold LinkedIn messages. I mean, I, I literally searched Home Depot buyer, PC Richard and Son buyer. And I just went one by one and sent cold messages and eventually you know, after a couple months, got some responses, uh, and it just sort of it, it just sort of I played popcorn a little bit. Oh, I'm not the right person, but maybe you should talk to this person. Okay, well, do you have that person's email, or do you can you you know? All right, I'll I'll email them. Then it's months of delay, and then follow up, follow up, follow up. Oh, okay, this is interesting. Send me a presentation for us. The hook. These buyers have been looking at the same aesthetic. On, on the window AC for a long time. So when we sent them the presentation with this beautiful, uh, you know, uh, Apple-like uh, window AC, it got their attention. And, and so it was months of delay, follow up, send a presentation. They saw it, they were interested. And then it just was convincing them that we knew what we were doing. <laughs> um, and that we, you know, because of Ryan's family, we've collectively have been manufacturing ACs for decades. Uh, and then you just go through the, you know, the sales cycle, which for us took, took a little over a year. I appreciate you, 
you mentioned that, and big shout out to LinkedIn for helping to to connect the world, right? Yeah. At this time, were you thinking about raising money? Had you already raised money or was that, or were you currently fundraising? How are you thinking about the capital structure too of your business? We were fundraising while all this was going on. To your other question about um, supply chain and producing the first units, we needed a, a, a pool of capital to make that purchase. So we, we did a, a friends and family round initially, but you know, I will say that our our existing relationship with the factory helped a lot because we didn't have to, you know, produce five thousand units to, you know, ink a deal with them. They gave us a team of engineers to help, you know, R and D this thing to completion, and then didn't really expect a massive first order from us. The only reason we were able to to do that was because of Ryan's family's relationship. After your friends and family round, when you were thinking about institutional investment. What was that process like? Was did you think that it was like kind of like an instant hit? Was it very much a struggle to convince venture capitalists to invest? Like, would love to kind of know, learn a bit about that part of your journey. Yeah, it was a struggle. It continues to be a struggle because, as a quote unquote hardware business, at least from the first glance, a lot of investors then and now are are saying, "Oh, sorry, we don't do hardware," uh, but they're not listening to our pitch, which is we're not. We're not a hardware business. We're an air care technology business. We just launched you know, a program called Eco Rewards that helps consumers control the uh, electricity use of, of their units. And we get paid by utility companies for helping modulate you know, the, the usage of, of the units in the wild. Um, we're doing things that you know, mirror a, a, a tech or software business, kind of like what Nest did uh, in the beginning. And then you know, Google came and, and gobbled them up. And, and we're working on other connected uh, air care solutions. I bring that up to, to highlight our, our ultimate vision. And because that's the pitch that we're making to and the pitch that we made to VCs, but to, to some extent, and, and there are some that, that see the vision and that, are, that came on board, and I'm so grateful to them. But there are a lot that just saw AC unit and they checked out and they said, sorry, we don't do hardware. That's really interesting. So almost the AC unit was the entry point into the actual home. That perfectly said, we talk about it as sort of our Trojan horse into the modern home. You know, we're not just trying to sell an AC unit, but once we're in the home and once we have a relationship with, you know, with our customers, there's a lot more that we can do both on the software side, because, you know, unlike a mattress, although shout out to eight sleep, love that product, but you know, Outside of them, you know, pots and pans, you know, non-smart mattresses, like you can't connect to an app. With our products, you can, and there's a lot we can do with software there. But that's exactly what you just said. It's the, the entry point into the home. You know, it's that's the story and the vision that that we're telling. Now, a lot of people can't get there or can't see see past the an AC unit, but that's fine. But uh, it has been a struggle to when it comes to raising money. In the future, what do you think of like the suite of products that you're eventually going to be having for, for Windmill? If you think about what modern air care is, and you know, air care is comfort and, and quality, right? Comfort is heating, cooling, humidification, uh, aroma. Quality is, is filtration, purification, uh, and, not just, and not just for residential, by the way. Um, there, there's you know, applications for our products uh, you know, beyond um, just selling to to a customer, um, and so we're working on uh, both residential and commercial solutions across the board. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, a lot, a lot more to come from us, and 
you know, some new exciting announcements coming up soon this year. Are you also thinking about homes where they don't need AC units, right? That they use central air for for AC. Is that also maybe part of the roadmap in terms of how to penetrate the home in that in that way? Totally. We actually have customers now who who have central air who use our products to help cool a specific room, whether it's a a den or it's a nursery and they need it to be a certain temperature and the central, you know, what for whatever reason the ductwork or the yeah. vents are just not cooling that room. So we we are in in homes with central air as well. It is on our mind and and it's part of our roadmap. Yeah, that's great. Um, how do you also since part of the early story of this and and how you started it was from a service side with with, with Ryan Dr. Cool and you know having this service business right i know we've talked a lot about product here and you know software and, and hardware how do you think also about like the service aspect towards your business and and um, like do you also do installations like how do you make it a lot easier for the consumer on the ac side for for installations and and what have you yeah for sure we designed the product to be um, you know, Wirecutter called us the, the easiest AC they've ever installed. We purposely designed the installation kit to be already assembled in the box. You just like literally unbox the thing, pop it in the window. We have a pending on the installation kit. So that was the first thing was like, let's design the experience and the sort of the service or the installation in the product. But then of course, you're going to have customers that want additional help. We struck a, a nationwide partnership with TaskRabbit. So customers can easily find a tasker to help them install uh, their wind- windmill AC. And then even more than that, we leverage Ryan's family's business to do white glove premium installations. Like they will bring the unit over, uh, New York only, Manhattan and Brooklyn, bring the unit over. They will take it out, put it in. They do like plexiglass on the side. It's like super legit and, and premium. And we're only able to do that because of you know the, the relationship with Ryan's family. The only thing I would add to that is we have live chat on the site, you know, our customer support team is amazing. If there's a problem with a GE unit or like an LG unit, which I've had and I've had problems with it, it took like a week for them to get back to us. Uh, and then it was like, oh, well, let's wait longer and schedule an appointment with a third party contractor. Like, we don't have to put customers through that just because of our direct relationship with them and with the way that we service and, and take care of these units. That makes a lot of sense. How do you think you've grown since founding Windmill? Maybe what are some of the lessons you've learned along the way? That's a deep question. And there's so many ways I think about this from a sort of a, a mental health perspective, which, you know, is where my mind goes first. Um, just being in therapy through the ups and downs of starting a business and realizing that, like, I am not Windmill. Like, Windmill's challenges and successes are not, like, who I am as a, as a person. And I think that's a huge learning for any entrepreneur because it's going to be a rocky road. And, and the other answer is there are issues at every turn, no matter what, I don't care what business you're starting. There are going to be little things that pop up that derail your uh, expectations and, and plans. And so being able to sort of uh, stay constant and steady during the, the ups and downs of of your business, which will happen no matter what is important. So, you know, I think not tying yourself to your business and also knowing that there are going to be a lot more problems than you would expect. um, I think, you know, those have helped a lot. 
how do you, the three of you, maybe like like think about your own relationship and making sure, as you say, you're not the business, making sure that kind of the business never kind of disrupts that person. Because I'd imagine that could be pretty challenging. Yeah, it's taken a lot of time to figure this out. The thing that works the best is just creating a barrier between personal and, and work. So for example, you know, when Danny and I hang out, go to dinner or whatever, we don't talk about windmill. We make a decision to not talk about windmill. Otherwise, that's all we would talk about. And so it's nice to create separation. The other thing is Danny and I are so different from a personality standpoint and also from a skill set and expertise standpoint. So what he focuses on, I don't really know much about what I focused on. He doesn't really know much about. So we trust each other to make decisions in those different arenas. It's one of the only ways that I think family sort of co-foundership works and, and also co-CEOs. And, and same with Ryan too. I mean, he has such a different skill set than Danny uh, does or that I do. So that makes it a lot easier. How did you approach brand, maybe from the beginning all the way up to now? And as well as how did you learn from your customers? How did you create customer feedback loop? Because I know you were doing customer support from the very, very get-go. And that allowed you to kind of iterate your process of how you thought about the brand. Yeah, I think those are super tied together. Like we did a ton of customer interviews and research in the beginning to understand how people think about their window ACs, what brands they were buying and why. That informed our industrial design from the beginning. From a brand side, that's how we started, was talking to the customer. But also, you know, there are things that existed in other categories, like a website that's beautiful and easy to use and customer support that doesn't suck, that like other categories have had figured out that AC just didn't figure out. And so we, we, you know, stole what was working from other categories, but also did it in a way that we, we gave it our own spin from what we were hearing from, from those early, you know, customer interviews. And the other thing is to your question about how we've evolved because of what we've heard from, from customers. I think back to the beginning days when we had a, our first prototype and we asked a bunch of random people to install it for us. And we just sat back, we gave them, I think we printed it on computer paper from Ryan's office and it's like the installation manual. We gave it to them and said, okay, here you go. Here's the AC, here's the manual, install it. And we watched them and it was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. And I was like, my general like operating philosophy is like, let's get it out in the market and learn from people and we'll improve. But with hardware, that's hard to do because you can't just like fix a bug in an app. And Ryan, with more experience in this stuff, he's like, we cannot launch this product as is. He just said, we just, and, and we had a really long conversation about it. And he's like, no way. You know, thankfully he did, because if we had launched that first prototype, we'd be dead in the water. And we went back to the drawing board. We redesigned our installation kit, which is now what has made the unit so easy to install. Um, and that came out of early customer conversations. I'll tell you one more product improvement that we made because of customers. This surprised me. We had a lot of customers that were using um, the AC in nurseries. When you hit the buttons on the AC, it, it beeps. A lot of people emailed us saying, hey, is there any way to turn off the beep? Because my baby is sleeping and I don't want to wake them up. We worked on a feature where you could toggle the, the beep on and off. Um, not not just for nurseries, but for other you know use cases, and people really love it. So you know, I, there's a bunch more, but I, I you know I won't I won't I won't bore everyone. That's awesome. No, 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 no. I I really I really appreciate those two examples. That's really helpful. What's one book 
that's inspired you personally and one book that's inspired you professionally? One book that fulfills both professional and personal, which is Unbroken. I don't know if you've ever heard about it, but it's a sort of a survival tale. He worked on planes in World War II and the plane goes down. And so it, it is just such an unbelievable story of how this guy survives both the crash, but also what happens to him afterwards. And we think our, our lives are hard and starting a business is hard, but it's absolutely a walk in the park compared to what this guy, his name is Louis Zamperini, what, what, he, what he goes through incredibly inspiring made me realize that you know maybe the highs are not as high and the lows aren't as as low as i thought uh and it really put my life and 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 the windmill journey into perspective i'll check it out really excited to add to our book list um, unbroken my final question to you is what's your biggest piece of advice to any entrepreneur go to therapy take care of yourself take care of your body go go for a run work out eat healthy and know that your business is not you Mike, this has been such a pleasure. Thanks again so much for your time. Such a blast. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. It was such a pleasure chatting with Mike. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you'd write a review on the Apple Podcasts. You're also welcome to follow me, your host, Mike, on Twitter at Mike Gelb, and also follow for episode announcements at ConsumerVC. Thanks for listening, everyone.